my definition of mindset, and this is my own personal one, is how you view, think, and act on a daily basis. How you view what's in front of you, the thoughts that you create and have inside your mind, and then the actions that you take physically and verbally. That's my definition of mindset. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Rise and Shine podcast. My name is Nat Ambrosi. I'm your host for this podcast today. Rise and Shine is a podcast by Rise Athletes. We're the leaders in mental wellness for youth athletes in sport. And today on the podcast, we have one of our mind power coaches, Luke Tiberski. I'm really excited to have you here, Luke. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on, Nat. I'm super excited to dive into this with you and, and share some of my story and some insights with all the listeners. Yeah. So kind of to jump in, one of the cool things about Luke, and um, when I first met you, I remember all of the pictures that you sent for us to use at Rise, and you have that hat, the, the twisty hat that... Um, that has the little thing on top. Tell me a little bit about that. What um, made you wear that in your races and, and all of that? Yeah, I feel like I should have worn it today, except for this one. Um, yeah, so I wear a multicolored propeller cap uh, whenever I do my, my running races specifically, because these days I do ultra endurance triathlons, ultra running, ultra cycling, ultra swimming. And uh, that's what I do these days. I used to be a professional footballer as well. So Many years ago, um, maybe 2014, I was at a shop with a friend um, and basically I was training for this 100 mile ultra marathon. Yes, that's running 100 miles nonstop to complete a race. That's, there are these things out there and I like to do them for some crazy reason. So my friend said to me, you should wear this multicolored propeller cap. It was just something that we saw on the shelf. I put it on and it was like, yeah, this, this looks cool. It's comfortable. It cost me a couple of bucks. So I was like, yeah, fine. I'm going to buy it. And this was about six or eight weeks before the race. And when I started to wear it in training, because, you know, you want to do stuff in training, not just on race day, I thought I want to make sure this is comfortable and it's not going to rub or do anything with me that I don't like. I started to run and people started to smile at me as I ran past them. I, I live in London and training along the river here and training in the parks. People were waving at me, giving me thumbs up. Nice hat. That's really cool. Whereas before London and especially British people are very closed off. They don't normally sort of wave at you or smile or say hello even sometimes, which is a bit odd. Um, but at the same time, people started to really embrace it. And I thought, this is awesome. People are smiling and, and then there was this one run where I was about six hours in and I had about 90 minutes before I was going to get home and complete my, my big run. And I was tired and I came around this bend and he was this father and son who just smiled at me, gave me a thumbs up and said, nice hat. And their smile make me, made me smile. And that smile that I had then energized me and made me feel so good that we were all just smiling because here I am a grown man wearing a multicolor propeller cap running and it just stuck from then, then on. And I've just always worn it when I ran because it makes other people smile and their smiles make me smile and energizes me. That's such a cool story. I, I just was like, okay, Luke has this cool hat. It's so awesome. And 
I think what you talk about with, you know, it's that one little thing, right. That makes such a difference in, in your day and someone else's day while you're running. Um, can you talk a little bit about like the power of how that one cap, you know, you said that you know, it made you run faster. It made you want to keep going. What are other things that, you know, you do as an athlete, let's maybe trail back into your triathlon. So think about that. Most people who are listening to this podcast may not even know what triathlon is or, or what that entails. Can we talk through that first and, and kind of your journey into that? Yeah. So basically swimming, cycling, and running, and that's straight up what a triathlon is one after another primarily in that order swimming cycling and running and it can be some triathlons are in a pool others are in the ocean others are in lakes cycling can be from a road bike on a flat road to mountainous terrain mountain bikes um you know up in the mountains and the run can be everything as well so I like to do ultra long stuff. And what I mean by that is, you know, as I said, like running double marathons after I've cycled hundreds of miles on a bike and swam, you know, 10 miles in a lake. They're the type of things that I like to do. So really like three big adventures and they're all pushed into one that makes an event. And the, the biggest actual event I've ever done is a double Ironman. So you may have made some of your listeners may have heard of the Ironman, which is to a lot of people, the pinnacle of triathlon world, which is a 2.4 mile swim, a 112 mile bike, and then a marathon back to back to back all in one day. So my biggest race was a double Ironman where it's everything's doubled and you complete the swim, then you do the bike then you do the run. And it took me 35 nonstop hours to complete. So I started on a Saturday morning and I finished Sunday afternoon with no sleep. Now, it's, it's ridiculous. It's crazy. I totally agree with all you listeners out there who are thinking this guy is nuts. But one of the things that helped me prepare for that event and all my other ultra endurance challenges, it is talking to myself. And this may sound a bit odd, but every morning I talk to myself not in my head, actually out loud. And that might be in the bathroom, looking in the mirror. It could be when I go for a walk in the morning. It could just be walking around the house. But what I do is I create my daily to-do list in my head that morning or even the night before of what I want to accomplish that day. Whether it's just a, a day of training nonstop all day, whether it's I coach other athletes, whether I'm working with one of my athletes from Rise, or I do a lot of keynote speaking. So whatever it is I have that day, I will talk through what my to-do list is. And then I will come up with potential obstacles that might distract me and then solutions to these. And also I really focus on some of the key elements that I really wanna make sure I get right during the day. So let's say I'm going out for a run and part of that run is focusing on nutrition. Well, they'll go into the details of make sure I have this amount of food every hour and I drink this amount of water or if I'm doing a keynote talk, make sure I read this one element of it. And I really emphasize this, this one line at the end. So there's these small little things that I really want to make sure that I'm, that I'm dialed in. Now I use this in my training for events as well. So I've, I talked through my whole race out loud to myself about 
what I'm going to do from the start all the way to the finish. And that's one thing that's helped me not only in my everyday life, but also in my physical and mental performance as well during my ultra endurance challenges. Wow. I love that. How you're talking about talking out loud. I feel like most times we're all of us are in our head every day. You know, we think that we're alone in, in the thoughts that we're thinking, but by putting it out loud and putting it out into the world, you're really solidifying that piece. hundred percent, hundred percent. And it's also in a weird way. And I'm still trying to find some research on this. It's like you're accountable to yourself because you put it out to the world. And it sounds mm -hmm. different coming through your ears than just being inside of your head. And from my own perspective and the athletes who I've worked with who use this, they've all said like, yeah, it's a game changer. Yeah, I bet. What is the difference between saying something out loud? So, you know, you were talking about a race. So you're saying this is what we're doing out loud compared to like a mindset tool like visualization. What are those nuances there? They, well, they work in different ways from a physiological perspective. Um, visualization is about laying down neural pathways um, to make, it's almost like pre-recorded memories. So your, your brain will lay down these neural pathways and it, and it feels like you've already done it before. So when you actually go to start a race, you're, you're sort of you're a bit more calmer and you're a bit like, I've done this before. I've been here before. So it helps you to prepare for that. Whereas for me, self-talk self is, is obviously a, a valuable tool, but it's, it's having that to-do list that I've really felt that gives you a pathway to follow. So I really feel like they go they match together really nicely because you can do your, I don't think which one you do first makes any difference, but you can do your visualization of what you'll say your race or your event wants to look like on each morning. And then after you do that, then you can talk about it out loud. So then you hear yourself, you hear your thoughts and it almost like it embeds it a little bit more. And I feel like combining those two are two tools that I think everyone should have, not only in their sports performance perspective, but also in their daily life as well. Yeah, that the tool of the, the self-talk out loud mixed with visualization, I feel like is so helpful. I know as a swimmer myself, it was always like, okay, we're gonna sit down in a quiet room, visualize our race. And for me, as someone who has a lot of thoughts in their head and, and overthinks a lot of things, I think that having that tool of the self-talk being saying it out loud, is so helpful. So tell me a little bit. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 go on. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about like, how did you get to this place of, you know, and of course there, there's long, long periods, but how did you get to this place to know like this works for me? Or what was your experience like growing up um, as a teen athlete, or even if you weren't a teen athlete going into, you know, these ultra races? Yeah. So it's a great question. And one that is my answer is very different to what a lot of people expect. So I'm, I'm 39 and I grew up in Australia in the nineties playing soccer. And I was very lucky that in my late teenage years, I actually was not bad at kicking a ball around and I was exposed and, um, and part of many different elite academies. And part of these were mental strength training exercises, meditation, all these type of things. So if you think about it, 
Australia had the Olympics in 2000, Sydney. And so we put a lot of money in investing into sport and it filtered down from the pros down to us, you know, 15 year old kids. And what that meant was I'm at a, at a soccer camp for my state, you know, one step away from playing for the national team at my age group. And we're doing meditation exercises at our, you know, week long camp in the school holidays. And we're doing visualization techniques. We're doing relaxation techniques. And we're doing all these recovery protocols as a 15 year old kid. Now I'm going to say out of the 20 people who were part of this squad, 19 just thought it was absolutely ridiculous and we're laughing and carrying around when we're meditating doing sort of stuff but for whatever reason i thought it was awesome and i kept doing it and people would like hit me and and try and get my attention when we're doing these breathing exercises and i'm like no i'm into this and i kept doing that throughout my teenage years and throughout my 20s as I was a soccer player played around the world at different places and I kept using all the tools that I was given you know and we're talking like 1997 <laughs> so it was a while ago and I used all these tools growing up and then I dove into sports psychology I read a bunch of books and really was intrigued about how we can train our mind and how we can relax the body to help us perform so we're not too to uh, our arousal isn't too high. So I, I dug that, I, I, I dove into it. So a lot of people my age, a lot of people weren't really exposed to that. Whereas for me, I was, and I've continued to do that and I've continued to educate myself. So when people say to me, how long do you meditate? I'm like, well, not every day, but I try to, how long have you meditated for? I'm like, I started meditating in 1997, not because I lived in the middle of nowhere in Australia, you know, on some sort of commune, but, and that's cool if that's, if that's your thing, but it's just because I was introduced to that from a young age and I really saw the benefits. So I've just continued to do that throughout my entire life and picked up different tools and refined the tools that I've used over the years. And now what I do for a living is I share those with other um, athletes, teen athletes at Rise and also corporate athletes in the corporate world as well. That's like to be able to, as a kid, as a teen, to say, this is something that I'm really interested in and really seeing the value. And I think that that's one of the pieces too, that sometimes with Rise, um, people will come and see and they'll say, oh, this is really cool. Like they're doing things about mindset, but then, you know, someone may say, oh, well, my technique is more important. So my technique of how I'm going to do a layup in basketball, that's more important. But I think kind of what you're saying here is it's both like, yes, you were going to these soccer camps and you were playing all the time, but you were also really focused in on your mindset and your tech, like technique in that way. So tell me a little bit about, you mentioned, you know, someone comes to you and says like, oh, how long do you meditate a day? And I think with mindset, it's, it's all personalized. Everyone's different. There's not one way that like maybe for a technique for swimming, for instance, it's like, okay, you got to keep your elbow high, right? In freestyle, but mindset, it's, it's very specific to the person and what works for them. Tell me a little bit about how you work with your athletes and um, kind of personalize that program so that they get the most benefit out of it. Yeah, look, I, I'll give an example of someone who I'm working with at Rise at the moment. I won't name names and... Um, I won't even name the sport, but 
he's a captain of a, of a team and so he wants to help with he wants some help with his leadership which is part of 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 mindset and my my definition of mindset and this is my own personal one is how you view think and act on a daily basis how you view what's in front of you the thoughts that you create and have inside your mind and then the actions that you take physically and verbally that's my definition of mindset so working with uh, my my teen athlete at rise this one at the moment that comes to mind we're working on leadership and he's very busy he's got high school he's got all his all his swimming training and i don't write down a 30-minute program every day for him to do you know it could literally be two minutes in the morning go through your to-do list say it in the mirror right two just two minutes and we build from that it's not about just saying to someone here's 10 exercises go and do them every day it's about understanding what the athlete is looking for what the athlete needs because they're going to be really good at some things like for me i'm really good at relaxing i know how to relax myself because i've been practicing that for a very very long time so when i started to work with sports psychologists and they were doing different relaxation exercises i said i'm good with that because this is what I do. And they're like, fine, well, let's work on something else. It's the same as what I do with my clients, with my athletes at Rise. So this one guy, you know, he wants to become a better leader. So I said, okay, there's multiple different ways that we can lead. He's very good at leading by example. He's like, yeah, I want to be able to do that even better. And I said, look, you're good at that. I don't need to teach you to lead by example because you just turn up, you do what you need to do. But let's challenge, let's challenge you. And this is part of, of the mindset definition that I said, is how you view and think. And I'm challenging him to lead by connecting with a teammate. Because I said to him, if you see a teammate that's dropped his head after he had a race that didn't quite perform, what would you do? And he's like, oh, well, you know, he just needs some time by himself. I was like, well, let's, let's see if you can go and help him and be supportive. And for this example, I said to him, support the human support the person first don't support the athlete because we are we are human we're not all just robotic athletes so when you support the human first you create that connection and then you create that connection and then you can try and help them as an athlete so this goes down to how he views the situation now that they just had a big swim meet um earlier uh, in the week and this, one of these athletes didn't perform too well. And now he went over and started to chat with him. So he's been able to progress how he views and thinks. And then he took action. So being able to understand what the individual athlete that we work with needs is very important because we can just sort of give them five exercises to do to train their mind, to develop their mindset. But they might already be doing something naturally or there might actually be some other element that they really need to focus on. So with my athlete, I'm focusing on how to lead by connecting with others in the team to help build them up if they're a little bit low, but also if they're performing already to support them and make sure that they stay on top of that wave as long as they can. Yeah, that reminds me of Strengths Quest of you know, you, I don't know if you've taken strengths class before it's you, you get a list of like, there's 36 strengths. And then you go through this little test that they have and you get a list of five of like, here are the five things that you're really good at. 
So, you know, you focus on those, but also you focus on the other things that can build off of them. So with this athlete saying, you're really, really good at leading by example, but how do we connect, you know? And one of the things I wanted to ask too, and you just mentioned it here, it's, you don't give athletes just one, two, three, four, five, go do it, you know, because that's, it's, it's not personalized to them. It's not necessarily going to lead them. Yes. Maybe they'll get better at visualization or better at, you know, self-talk, but it probably won't lead to them, you know, really focusing in on, on what they can do really well. So what would you say is a common myth about mental wellness and sport and kind of everything that we're doing with mindset? Wow. Common myth about mental wellness. Um, I think we need to sort of make sure that we, uh, the listeners understand that we're talking about wellness as in our health from a, from a mind perspective, um, not necessarily performance perspective, because, and I can share a little bit about my own personal story here to sort of differentiate between the, the two. And I think the myth is that mentally tough individuals are mentally well. And I think that is a myth. Just because someone is extremely mentally tough, and I mean, and for an example, able to push themselves physically, able to over, overcome obstacles, able to adapt to setbacks, and really, really, really drive themselves from a physical perspective. So what may seem as someone who's mentally tough doesn't mean that they're mentally well, you know, from a wellness perspective. And my journey into the world of ultra-endurance challenges showed this highlighted this you know because i have had a quite a dark battle with my own mental health with depression and i went down this really dark hole battling with um suicidal thoughts binge eating at times i had insomnia where i was sleeping six to eight hours a week at times so i was in a really dark place very depressed pulling myself away from society i was not in a good place now now I've just said that, imagine in your mind, the type of person that you may, maybe in front of you, who's battling with this, maybe you would associate someone who's weak and someone who's not very outgoing and someone who's not really accomplishing a whole lot in their lives. During this period of time, I was doing some of the world's most extreme ultra endurance challenges from running down Mount Everest in the world's highest ultra marathon running the equivalent of six marathons in seven days through the middle of the Sahara Desert, doing my double Ironman triathlon, and even completed a 2,000-kilometer in 12-day swim, cycle, and run from Morocco to Monaco, swimming between countries, cycling across countries, and you know, just literally doing 15, 16-hour days of swimming, cycling, and or running. Now, you wouldn't really associate those two people going through the same things at the same time. But for me, that's exactly what was happening. I know I'm extremely mentally tough because I've trained my mind since I was a 15 year old kid, but my mental health plummeted for various reasons that we don't have enough time to go into today. Um, and I'm very open about my, my story, but as you can see, mental wellness doesn't always mean that you are sorry mental toughness doesn't always mean that you are mentally well and one i think the big myths is just because someone is performing really well 
someone looks like they're doing really great on the outside, maybe at school or maybe in the office or, or maybe at, your, at, at a game, doesn't mean that they are mentally well, that they're in a good place mentally. And I think that is one of the biggest misconceptions out there today. Thank you for sharing your story there. I think that that's a really interesting piece talking about, you know, mental toughness in sport, right? You know, you think, okay, if these athletes are mentally tough, then, then they're, they're also doing well, right? They look happy. They're doing well. And I think one of the biggest things, and I know from my experience of transitioning out of college sport, it was that it's like, I could be mentally tough in the pool and I can just go, go, go. And after I didn't have sport as one of those things that I, I looked toward, it was like, okay, now like, who am I? And I think there's a lot of our um, mind power coaches who, you know, either they're in sport right now professionally, or they've transitioned out. There's a lot of athletes in the program who maybe are seniors in high school and they're not competing in college. So I think that's a really, really big piece there of mental toughness doesn't equal mental wellness. And we need to be just as mentally well in life. That's the goal, right? And so one of the things I think talking through, can you talk a little bit about how do you, you know, find those things? There's not one specific answer, of course, but how do you become more mentally well in yourself that benefits sport? So not just thinking about, okay, we're going to do self-talk because this is how we're going to do sport. What are those mental wellness pieces that will not only help in sport, but also in life? I think it goes back to what I said earlier when I was talking about one of the athletes who I work with at Rise about leadership, that I'm not trying to get him to lead his teammates as athletes. I'm trying to get him to support these individuals as humans. So from a personal perspective, if there's someone out there who's listening who may be feeling a little bit down and battling with their mental health at the same time, they are crushing their training and their games and performing amazing. But then the conversation that they're having internally, whenever they're not doing that sport, because it can be like a crutch, it can be the only time where you feel yourself because you've attached your identity to your sport, which is a whole nother conversation. But it's the only time you feel alive. It's the only time you feel really who you are when you're doing the sport. But let's be honest, doing the sport that you love, that you are playing, whether it's training or, or matches or, or, or meets or anything, is a small fraction of the time in your whole life. So my advice from a non-professional perspective in terms of, of that, from a mental health perspective, is understand you're a human first. You're a person. You're, you're not the athlete that's not your be all and end all you are a human first and you are allowed to have uh, hobbies and you are allowed to have interests outside of your sport and there are you know I, i'm laughing because i've spoken to so many ex-olympians and there are many olympians who finished their their careers and they're a bit like i have no idea what to do now because I didn't pursue any hobbies. I don't even know what I like to do. You hear them in interviews. What do you like to do outside of whatever sport it is you play? And this is normally a response. Um, I, I like to hang out with my teammates. <laughs> well, how is that, you know, like enjoying life, like in terms of 
trying to progress as a human. So one of the things with the athletes who I work with at, at, uh, at Rise is I always ask them about their day and what their interests are, and I'll follow up on that. And another athlete who I work with loves Marvel films. So there's always at least a two or three minute conversation about something to do with a Marvel film in our conversation. And that's not any sort of trick to, from, from a coaching perspective. It's just really to connect with my athlete on a human level because I like the Marvel films as well. So we'll come up with some random thing that we'll, we'll talk about for a period of time. So it's about understanding that you are human and you are allowed to have hobbies and other interests outside of your sport. Because there are always ways to find time to do these things. And if you can do that, then things like if you do become injured, then you've got something else to focus on. So your mind doesn't go down this negative um, rabbit hole, so to speak. Or if you are struggling with your mental health and your mental wellness, then you have something else to go to that maybe is some sort of support network. And the final thing I'll add to that is speaking about how you feel mentally to a loved one or a friend is the best thing anyone can do. And that was the start of my journey into my recovery from my mental health battles as well. Yeah, I think it's the piece and, and everyone talks about this of like, because you're struggling, you know, in, in the mental space doesn't mean that you can't do these other things. And I know Caroline uh, Burkle, one of our co-founders at Rise talks about this all the time is like, you could be struggling with mental health, but that doesn't, it doesn't take away from who you are as a human. It's just another piece of something to work on and something to, to really understand yourself and, and your brain and, and body. Um, talk a little bit about um, so we're, we're wrapping up here soon. I, we could keep talking forever. I mean, this is great. Um, talk a little bit about, so, you know, you're, you're a mind power coach right now. Do you have a story or an experience, um, growing up with maybe it's when you went to the soccer camps of, um, a mentor or a leader that taught you these certain things? What was that experience like for you? Yeah. Joe judge, little judgy, I say, <laughs> He was a short little Scottish guy and he had a thick Scottish accent. Uh, he was probably in his mid sixties and he was, had two hip replacements. So he would hobble around and waddle around the, the soccer field. And I'm a 14 turning 15 year old kid trying out for this under 18s team that played in, you know, one of the highest levels in the country you know, several years above my age group. I only went to the tryout because my dad just said, look, go and do a, a trial with Joe Judge because he's an extremely intelligent soccer coach. He's very smart. You will learn so much from just the tryouts for a couple of weeks if you just go. And I did not expect to be picked at all. Like I'm playing against 18-year-old guys who were playing for Australia in the, in the under 18 team and I'm playing against, you know, 17 year olds and I, and I'm 14 about to turn 15 and I wasn't like a, a, a massively developed 14 year old, 15 year old. Um, but yeah. And I went along to these trials and judgy who, who his nickname was, 
he was really supportive of there's a couple of younger guys there's only one other 14 year old and the rest was all like 16 17 18 year olds and i got picked for the team i got picked for the team and, and i rode the bench the entire season i played at least five ten minutes pretty much most games i started two or three games so it wasn't like i was this crazy big star i quite literally sat the bench the entire season but there was this one occasion where at the end of training i carried the the bag full of balls back to his car to put them into the back of the car and and he said to me luke he said what are your goals for this year and i was a bit like what are you talking about i've achieved everything i've made the team like that was it like i made this team and i thought that's it my my year is is complete and I said it in some, some sort of way like that. And he just said, no, look, you are a part of this team. You didn't just make the team. You're part of this team. So how are you going to contribute to this team? Yes, you might not start any matches or you might only start one or two, but how are you going to contribute to this team? Because I don't want anyone in my team that's just going to just come along for the ride. How are you going to contribute? And I went away and I thought about this and I was like, wow, like I'm going to sit on the bench every single match and I'm fine with that. And I train with the team three times a week. I thought, how can I contribute? So he was the first real mentor that really challenged me to ask myself, well, how am I going to get better? How can I help people around me get better? Even though I might not be the star player even though I, I wasn't the captain or even though I wasn't even playing, but he challenged me to how can I be better personally and how can I be better for the team and for the club? So he was really the first person who did that. And then when I had other goals for outside of the club in terms of being a, playing for a, um, a representative team, I said to him, yeah, I would love to play for the state team. You know, that, is, that is my goal. And I, I blame him for the, he's the person that injected this huge amount of self-confidence that I have in myself because he turned around and looked at me square in the eyes and said, Luke, you're aiming too low. You should be trying to aim for the national team. Now, I never went on to play for the national team, but he lit a fire inside of me because he connected with me on a personal level in terms of how can you help the team? How can you challenge the other players? What are you going to contribute to this team to help us all better? So he connected with me on a personal level and challenged me. And then he provided me with that support and basically said, if you keep working hard, I think you have a chance of playing in the national team. And that's where you should be looking. Even though I never went on to do that, but the self-confidence that this person who is connected with me that has believed in me and picked me and, and said to me, look, you should be aiming higher, just really filled me with this self-confidence. So Judgy has, has had a massive influence in my career as a soccer player, but also as an endurance athlete, because those same um, and tools that he shared with me, I now share in very slightly different and unique ways, depending on the athletes who I work with as a mind power coach here at Rise. Such a powerful connection. I mean, mentors in any space, coaches, mind power coaches, it, that's so powerful. You know, don't, don't aim for this. Like, great. I know, I know you can do that, but like, what about the next thing? And I, I love the, 
the piece there of you said you got injected with self-confidence and that that is so powerful um and having that person to say hey you can do it you know and it's not just like being that cheerleader that is just saying yeah you can do it woohoo but like really showing you and teaching you those tools and and then you eventually doing that for yourself so yeah, 100%, 100%. it's judgy right is that his name that's yeah. his nickname judgy joe judge, judge. yeah very cool um so kind of wrapping up and i know you've given so many pieces of advice so many things for teen athletes to think about for parents for for even athletes who are no longer in a sport i mean i've even taken a lot away from this conversation of like you know what, every morning now I'm going to, you know, talk out loud to myself, um, may sound weird. My roommates may be like, what is she doing up there? But Hey, you know, it's, it could be super helpful. So kind of wrapping up, um, do you have any last thoughts, any last pieces of mindset advice to give to athletes, parents, coaches, whoever it may be? Wow. Um, that's a pretty broad question, but I'll try and answer it in a not too long-winded way. I think one of the things that I love doing myself and also I share with my athletes who I work with is we, we live in this world now from a sports performance and just from a general day-to-day perspective that we think everything is on or off, black or white, right or wrong, positive or negative, right? In reality, most of life is living, lived in between those two extremes. You know, let's, say, let's call it the gray area. Now, when it comes to the way that we think or even our self-talk, okay, we think, okay, we've got to be positive. We've got to be super energetic and super positive, right? Even if, you know, we make a mistake, we've got to be positive. We've got to be like, no, come on, we could do this 100%. You know, there is a time and place for that. Now, we don't necessarily want to then just drop our heads and be extremely negative about what's happened or what what we did so one of the things that i like to share with people is hey you know what sometimes when a less than ideal situation scenario or or even outcome that's that's happened because of something that we did didn't do or even to us is in front of us being positive is almost feels fake and it's too hard to do but we know we don't want to be negative. So let's come up with a third thing that we can do. Let's be less negative. Because imagine this, imagine if you're not actually just berating yourself and being really negative and pulling yourself down, but you can't quite get to that place where you want to be positive. So let's be less negative. And how do we do that? We ask ourselves three questions, okay? What happened? Identify exactly what happened. Now, if it's in the middle of a match, sometimes you can't do that. Or if it's in the middle of an event, sometimes you can't do that. But maybe at the end of it, you can reflect on it and ask yourself these questions. There'll be other times when something happens and you can ask yourself these questions. They don't have to be long-winded answers. They can be answers immediate, as soon as you think of it. What happened? Identify what happened. And then how did it happen? Was it your fault? Was it someone else's fault? So it's something that you can't control. So understanding how it happened. 
so you don't do it again. So it doesn't happen again. So you minimize the chances of that certain situation, scenario, outcome happening again. Identify what happened, understand how it happened, and then where does your focus need to be right now in this moment in order to help you move forward? Because if you're focusing on what happened prior, then you're missing an opportunity to move forwards. So what happened? How did it happen? And where do you need to put your focus now in order to help you move forward? Now, those simple questions, they're not really overly energetic. They're not super positive. They're not like getting you jumping up and down and really pumped and like, yeah, I can do anything. I can achieve the world. But they're not negative. I would say they're constructive. They're helpful. They are less negative. And if you can apply those to when a mistake happens, or as I say, a less than ideal situation, scenario, or outcome happens to you, or that you do, or that happens just because of no one else's fault, that's out of your control, what happened? How did it happen? Where does your focus need to be now in order to help you to move forward? Yes, that piece of moving forward, focusing and, and going forward. That I mean, the goal, right? And it doesn't mean that we can't step back too. So I really like that. I'm going to write that down of, you know, here's the pieces. So thank you so much, Luke, for, for being on the podcast and sharing all of your wisdom and tips and tools and, and your story. I think it's really, really exciting and special to hear, you know, we, we see you on whether it be social media or you see your athletes, but I think it's really cool to be able to hear more about you and more about, you know, your passion for this and your passion for, for really helping others and in turn, you know, helping yourself out in sport too. So thank you Thanks so for much. Thanks having me on Rise and Shine, Nat. To find more about Rise, um, if you want to be an athlete in the program or sponsor an athlete, you can visit riseathletes.com. Make sure you also follow us on social media. This is where that will be posted as well. So you might already be seeing it on social. Um, again, I'm Nat Ambrosi. Thanks for watching and listening. Uh, remember, you make such an impact in the world.